Hi there, Dave Levine here. It's great to have you join me on this week's episode of the Sports Stories podcast. Now, before we get started, can I just thank those of you who tuned in last week to the conversation I had with Professor Damien Hughes, co-host of the High Performance Podcast and best-selling author. The feedback and comments have been terrific and I've had a number of listeners share what landed for them and their non-negotiable behaviours. So just as a reminder, if you don't want to miss any of the great conversations, the tips, the guidance, and the never-told-before stories, then please subscribe and, and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Now on to today's episode. This is episode 32 and part of series four. I'm delighted to have a guest who has played high-level football and cricket as a young person, working his way through to representing a number of counties at cricket, as well as representing his country, Scotland. Following a successful cricket playing career, my guest has forged away as a coach, working in both grassroots and international environments. I'm delighted to welcome John Blaine as my special guest today. John has experienced many lows, as well as many highs in his career to date, and I know he has reflected deeply on these experiences and is open to sharing them. I'm really excited to speak with John, as I'm confident his insights will be of great interest to many cricket followers, both in England and Scotland, but more importantly, he shares with an intent to help others. There will be something for parents, teachers, coaches and leaders, as well as aspiring cricketers. So let's dive in. I'd like to wish a very warm welcome to Director of Cricket at the Grange Cricket Club in Edinburgh and former North Ants, Yorkshire and Scotland cricketer and now coach, John Blaine. Well, John, thanks for joining me today on the Sports Stories podcast. It's really appreciated. Um, I I was looking back and our journey goes back over 10 years or so. So it's uh, it's been quite some journey. Really appreciate you giving up the time, but you know what? I, I know you pretty well. Some of the guests listening in might not know you as well. So, can you give us a bit of an intro to who you are, but also include, you know, what was your your introduction to sport and cricket? Oh, it's a big question. That who 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 are you? You know, I think um, I've spent the last uh, what am I now? Forty-one. I've spent the last uh, forty-one years trying to find out who I am, and I don't think you ever know who you are. You know, but uh, you're always sort of heading off in a direction you think's right. Um, my introduction to sport, Dave. Um, so, so where I was, uh, I was born and bred in a small town just outside Edinburgh called Pennycook, um, and we we lived on a, um, a semi-detached house which overlooked um, a cricket pitch, um, and and I mean literally overlooked it. So our back garden there was a fence, and then through the fence was the, was the cricket pitch. So. Um, that that's where I had sort of the freedom to move and, and climb trees and 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 you know join the cricket club and then you know kick a football around. Um, I had a huge circle of friends in the in the area, um, and sort of the cricket cricket pitch was the was a hub of the activity. So I guess that's where uh, sport started for me. Um, and um, yeah, just, I just I guess the the, the ten thousand hours was was already in the bank by probably the age of 10 you know um so yeah it was um a, a real um a real free learning t- for sport um did your dad take you or was the family involved in it what was the kind of your, your family involved yeah in? well well mum and dad i mean i think it's really important to see the outset mum and dad have just been you know colossal in their support um throughout my career um but uh, you often reflect when you when you're looking back now and you know i'm not a self-indulgent person but i've sort of taken a bit of time to reflect the last few years as to what what it was that sort of you had in place to to get you to where you you are today, and you know I sort of look back um, and 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 look at the role that mum and dad played. You know, mum mum was 
mum was mum mum was sort of you know um you know happy if i was fed watered and um and and happy uh, she was a, a great um i guess a, an emotional and holistic support around that um and dad was a, dad was a mum was a grafter as well you know she she worked for uh, the social work department in edinburgh um worked with kids with special needs um and dad was a grafter dad worked for the police um and um especially in specializing in the um in the, in the taxi examination department um so so dad was a grafter but he he was around and and he was member at the cricket club and mum and dad were member at the cricket club so um he played a bit of sociable cricket um i went across there and and sort of got involved when when dad mum and dad were around the club um dad played football when he was younger um mm-hmm. so he always had an interest in football i knew that so but I guess when when I was sort of starting to understand my relationship with them, they weren't actively involved in sport. They were just mum and dad, you see. But mm-hmm. um, uh, and I was just with them. But you know, as as, as you get older, you start to understand, um, you, especially my dad, his background to sport. But um, it was a really interesting upbringing, and um, I think looking back, the right ingredient, you know, the right mix. When you say right ingredient, right mix, what what does that mean for you? Well, I think the early part, Dave, um, there there is no right and wrong. okay. but for me, it was right. And I think that's that's the key. You know, Um, you know, I was I was very lucky to have circumstance. So the circumstance of being on a a cricket pitch over the fence, a liberal way to life, a sort of a a free approach to go in and and learn my sport, self-learn. I had the opportunity. I think opportunity is key as well. I've talked about the volume, you know, I had the, had the, I had the freedom to go and just do the volume, you know, self-teach myself, self-taught. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then as I sort of came to, came to the cricket club, um, they started to employ a professional player coach. And um, there was one um, gentleman, uh, Phillips and Johnson from Barbados, um, who, he was really my first encounter with a cricket coach. And um, so I've done all this volume. I've had the opportunity. The circumstance was right for me. And I've now got this, this add-on of this specialist coaching, the understanding, become a student of the game. That was just a really potent mix. And then, you know, going back to the support mum and dad, it was just all there. And it wasn't a forceful support. It was a sort of a, it was a, um, a scaffolding support. You know, I was, I was just there if they were there if, 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 if it was needed. And then when my football, my football started later, actually, it was a, it was a oh. friend who, uh, I mean, I went to Boys Brigade and, and played football there and I was in goals. <laughs> right. My mum used to, my mum laughs, actually. <laughs> I, we used to get beat 19-0, Dave, you know, and, <laughs> and I'd come home, mum would say, John, can you not be the goalkeeper this week? You know, but anyway, I, I loved it. I didn't see the result. I just loved the opportunity being out there. And then, it was a friend of mine who lived down the road. Um, he played for an official team in Edinburgh. Um, and historically, the boys in my town would always go to this other club. And this guy sort of went to a club outside of town and went to the one in Edinburgh. And he said, do you want to come along? So I went along to, to this club called Edina Hibs. You know, they were based in Edinburgh. And, and they were they were from a, quite a rough part of Edinburgh, you know. And, that, and anyway, so I went along and I played a year above myself. So I was a year young and uh, I took it you know, like a fish to water. And um, I enjoyed that. So football took a different path, um, but I was very self-taught initially, you know, um, right. but with cricket, it was, as I say, was self-taught, but I got coaching earlier at cricket. Um, what's, this, what's this thing about self-taught then, John? How, how did that come about? Or were you self-taught or would you not receive any help? I think, Dave, you know, let's fast forward to becoming a high-performance athlete. Right. I think I think I was... I was 
I'm very kinesthetic. I'm very visual. You see, right. and I think though that was quite a that was quite a potent mix for for me as a learner. You know, I used to, you know, had I was I was with a football at my feet or a cricket bat in my hand or a right. cricket ball in my hand. Okay, so I was sort of doing the voluming and feeling it, and then I'd sort of sit back and watch. And I can still re- vividly remember seeing matches at the cricket club. Uh, and and sort of trying to emulate, you know, what was going on in the field. And then, you know, I'd go inside and it was a time when Test Match was on the BBC and I'd remember watching Curtly Ambrose and Courtney Walsh Bowl. And, and I just would then come back out after after having uh, lunch or dinner and, and, and try and recreate that. And the yeah. feel was just there for me, you see. So um, I guess I was learning um, by, by teaching myself oh. what was relative to my learning style. You know, there's often a, as a coach, and that's one of my key things now looking forward as a philosopher, as a coach. There's no point me trying to work with a player, but not understanding how they take on information, right. you know, and whether that is audio, visual or, or kinesthetic, you see. Um, and I think that's key in the whole picture, really. So your circumstances really um, sort of fed into your preferred way of learning and working. Yeah. And, and you know, was I lucky? Did that happen by chance or, or was it created? You know, and and, I, and again, you know, I'm I'm a parent, and we've made the decision to move back to my hometown. But the reason I made that decision, Dave, is I knew the benefits that was available for my children and where it would fit into the bigger picture. So, you know, mum and dad uh, had my sister. She was born in Edinburgh, at the top of a flat, high-rise flat, and then they moved out of Edinburgh, which is you know, circa thirteen or fifteen miles out of town, for I guess a bit of space, a front and back garden, and some more rooms, and so on and so forth. But you know, looking back, that was quite a astute decision for them as parents to create an environment that allowed me and my sister to sort of flourish. You see, and understand as well that you know, in the city, in, in the rat race that is Edinburgh, it's often really sort of busy and, and hectic. Whereas you move out of town. It's a bit more relaxed and there's a bit more opportunity and there's a bit more circumstance. Um, and then, you know, as I say, that the, the coaching and the support came along laterally. So I've very much taken that um, approach with my with my children and my family now. We've moved to, a, to an area back home. We've got that support um, with my family around, but they've certainly got um, the circumstances are just right now. Um, the opportunity is there for them. Um, and, and it's up to myself uh, and, and my partner to, to give them that volume, you know. And, and over time, you just trust the environments they go into to have that coaching. Wow. Well, John, when did you recognise that, that that environment and that time and that space actually really made a huge impact on you? Uh, yeah, I don't think you you realise at the time. You don't you don't understand at the time. You're just um, and I think that's looking back now. Um, you have huge respect for your parents because um, they were able to sort of not keep you because children are you know children can have often have their own mind, but they sort of um, you know supported me in that environment and trusted that where I was being brought up. I didn't see it at the time. You know, I was just I was just in the moment really. Um, and I think that's where the major part of a, a coach or a parent is 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 important, where they see the wider picture, they see what that person is involved in the minute, and the importance of keeping them there, and or letting think, them fly, or letting them fly, you know. And and do you think you, you, your parents were really conscious about that move, or did they just do it? Th- and the circumstances again proved to be lucky or work, or did they actually think right? Well, I you know, if you this. if you have a Sunday afternoon coffee and a and a cake or a coffee and a sandwich with mum and dad, and you know, sitting in the living room and you talk to them about 
why they moved away from where they were, yeah. some of those messages will come through. You know, they talk about, um, you know, well, first and foremost, again, back then, you know, they, 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 they didn't have money. They had to work hard for their money. Yeah. Um, so they moved out of town. They, they sort of they got more for their money yeah. out of town. But then they'll talk about the opportunity. You know, we didn't yeah. live at the top of a high-rise flat. We had front and back garden. We had space at the back. We had a town to go into. Um, there was schools there for you and your sister. Um, there was clubs around. And so so, so they may not see it at the time. They might have done. I might be doing them with just this justice. But actually, yeah. it was a genius move, you know. It was a genius move. And actually, so I've taken that learning into to what I've done in the last um, the last five years. And, and, I, and I love it how you're sort of connecting all of that big environment and context stuff and how that's really shaped and influenced you. And I wonder now, though, you know, what, what would we say and how would we support individuals that aren't as lucky as that and don't get that? Because that must really impact, you know, it, it's clearly had a huge impact on you. Yeah, it has. But I think I think sometimes the struggle is the learning as well. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm not saying I was privileged because that's not the way it, I was. Yeah. I think sometimes... You know, so let's 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 flip it the other side, and, yeah. and I'm probably fast forwarding here, but I'm involved in football coaching yeah. as well as cricket at the minute, and I have been in the last five years. Come back to my football, um, and I I understand that there's a lot of children from underprivileged backgrounds. You yeah. see, um, but and so that's the role of me as a coach to identify that first and foremost they're in a difficult situation, but actually you can use that struggle and that challenging period to be their learning, you know? Yeah. So there's no right and wrong here. It's just, yeah. I guess, I guess the essence is understanding the person, the circumstance, um, and that's the skill of the person who is behind them, Yeah. you know, um, to, to well, facilitate that. In a nutshell then, John, in that sort of, you know, in your early teens and moving through the formative part of your career there, where you were saying you were playing better football and cricket, they seem to be running parallel there. Yeah. You know, how did you manage that and which one, you know, took off or did you play them both for a period of time? Well, I think the beauty is you never really feel you're good. You know, you just do it. And then um, my 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 football career took off. Um, there was quite a, 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 a good coach in Edinburgh who coached at one of the um, one of the major clubs in Edinburgh, a club called Hutchison Vale, which I'm now back at. Now, it's one of the strongest um, uh, club uh, football clubs in, in the UK for youth development and has been for goodness the last 40 years uh, and he came and approached my dad and my dad knew him through through work and he said look does John want to come and play at Hutchison Vale and I went there and and from the age of 13 right through till 15 we won everything we I mean it's not about winning we, we, we wiped the he built a team that was the best in Scotland we often went to England and dominated as well and a number of players were involved in senior teams and um, and went on to play prof had professional careers at the highest level. Um, so so football was very much the sort of thing for me. And and I guess the way Scotland set up, football is the thing. You know, rugby is sort of coming on and hockey is improving. Cricket is also improving, but in terms of its participation numbers, but football was always the thing. So that was my obvious route. Um, and then cricket was respite, Dave. You know, I mean... <sighs> So football would sort of finish in whenever it finishes, and you know this. You've got a young a young son. You know, you sort of when does it finish? Do you sort of continue on it in the summer? But um, when it finished, the feeling of actually kicking off my shoes and and going out the back to the cricket pitch and going into the nets and having that sun on my face and that freedom again, but yet having that fitness, Dave. And this is an important thing because often reflected, why did you turn into a fast bowler? Having that 
incredible level of fitness that I had as a footballer, it transcended, it, it moved into my cricket. Um, and then, you know, with football and the coach I had at football, he was very detailed, he was very organised. And I sort of, I guess, self-taught myself into my cricket. And then the coach came along at Pennycook uh, Cricket Club about, I think it was 12 or 11, 12. And, and, that, and that's where it just sort of, you know, moved on. And then I had a very, and I had a very, a very clear decision to make about do I choose football, do I choose cricket? Because And how old were you then, John, when you were having to make that decision, do you think? Um, do, do, do. I was, Dave, I was about 16. Right. 15 and a half, 16, just turning maybe 16. Um, I had been climbing the ranks in the cricket and Cricket Scotland had a director of cricket called Jim Love and Yorkshireman will know Jim Love. Jim came up to Scotland um, and um, I was <laughs> I was selected for the South region. Now, Scotland at those times was split up into four regions, North, South, East and West. The North were strong at cricket. This is youth level. Um, the West were strong and tenacious. The East were from, should we say, privileged, independent school background. The South were farmers. You know, we're from the borders. We're from Melrose, Galashiels, Pennycook. And we were in the South, you see. And we were sort of conjured up and went to this festival at one of the most prestigious independent schools in Edinburgh called Merkiston. And I was 12 and, um, and no, tell, tell I was 13 and it was under 13 festival. And uh, I terrorised those kids. I was bowling, you know, bouncers and and not to sort of be self-indulgent, but I did. And the, the then coach, uh, Jim Love, came up to my parents and said, I'd like John to come forward and trial for Scotland under 13s. Now, that was never heard of. You know, someone coming from the borders to play cricket for the national team was unheard of. I was up the inside, Dave. I was, you know, I, I came up the inside. I was, and then... Um, well, John, 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 what was it about you then that really kind of drove you up the inside? You know, because you, 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 you've taken a different route here. There was something about you that was different, I guess. Yes, and 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 that and that you know historically cricket in Scotland was played in the independent sector yeah. and was was sort of had this snootery and clothes shop around about it. And yeah. looking back on that, when Jim Love came in, Jim blew that open. You know, right. Jim blew that open. But I think I think with me coming from the south, there was always that that underpinning of my football background. You know, come on, let's get into this. Okay. And then at a sheer determination, Dave, okay. at a sheer determination to to make it and cause yeah. a real you know, a real, make a real difference. And that's the bit I'm really interested in, that that sheer determination. Where does that come from? How did you build that, grow that? Did you develop that or is that just, is that an innate thing for you? Uh, I think it's innate, you know, again, again, um, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I, I did I did develop that over time uh, okay. through my hundreds and hundreds of sports sessions that I did. But I think, you know, knowing my mum and dad and knowing the characters that they have, you know, both have determination in slightly different ways. You know, and and mum's um, a sort of a quiet, uh, goes about a business, is a woman of steel, is a doer. You know, dad, dad's got an intellectual um, determination. He's a really astute guy. He's a grafter at heart. You know, he's, he's, he's worked hard. And I think that that comes from, I guess, a genetic side. But then you get that circumstance, you get the opportunity level um, and it just it just comes to the fore. And I was hell bent, Dave, on proving people wrong, you know, yeah. that the South was. <laughs> Um, and I and I so I came through and I did really well at this festival and it got to a stage where I think Jim Love said to um, my folks, look, I'd like John to go down to to Northamptonshire for a trial. Right. And I was 16 at the time, um, all involved in the Scotland pathways. Uh, I actually made my debut for Scotland at 16 years old, um, playing Benson Hedges cricket. You know, and then 
I mean, I'll go on to that in, in time. But um, I then had a decision to make. I, was, I had gone through the football ranks and I was, I was involved professionally at Hibernian um, and I went to assign sort of basic forms there and I went across to, I moved across to Falkirk and um, went to Falkirk and played there for a year as a, as a young professional. So I was doing professional football and then I had this opportunity to go and try out professional cricket. And um, John, did, did you feel that they actually really complemented each other? Because you and I both know that we, we, there's big debates isn't there, in the sport world around actually when do you specialise in different sports and, you know, and, and focus. And it sounds like you've actually taken two sports to quite a, uh, you know, quite a high performance level for quite some time, which it sounds brilliant. Yeah, it, it sounds brilliant. Um, but the struggle was was, right. was 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 hard, you know, at yeah. times. Um but they did complement each other and, and okay. they bounced off each other. You know, the respite of cricket was was good for me. And I guess I was probably learning in more of a, um, a free way at cricket. But then with football, it was more of a forced way, you know, going to volume sessions and being coached and so on and so forth. And the cricket was very, yeah, just a relaxing thing for me. So, you know, you talk about high performance being in the moment and, and played in the freedom. I think when I played cricket, that's why... I really was suited to the higher performance because that's how I learned. You know, that's how I learned. I played in the moment. And um, um, and I always say, look, I, would, I don't think I'd have been good enough at football. I was I was really, I was a student of football. So I was always captain and, you know, I played defence and I saw the game strategically and I was able to help others and my communication was very good. And But I think my my general skill was I wasn't as good a passer as others. Um, I I could header, you know, I could sort of tackle, but I wasn't as good as the guys around about me. But the coach saw my real value in being this sort of this facilitator to organise. Whereas at the cricket side of things, you talk about strategy when I was younger. I what strategy? I just run up and bowling. You know, the ball's there, I'm going to hit it. I didn't so it was completely different viewpoints, you know. I guess I'm really drawn though to the fact that the one that you probably ended up excelling in is the yep. one. You, you felt like you were in the moment and played yeah. more freely and yeah. learnt more self-taught, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? But yeah, I, it, is, it is ironic, Dave. And, and you know, I, I, this is this is my conversation I have with a lot of parents. Um, you know, um, a lot of parents will, will... Push is the word, actually, because it is push. A lot of push parents will push their children towards an environment they think is right, you know, they think suits them, Okay. Kids will migrate towards the right place for them, okay, but have to have that scaffolding around about them. So it's a difficult sort of pushing, but it's, it's an interesting way, to sort of how you how you how you manoeuvre them towards um, the right environment for them. And I always say to people who who have the 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 sniff of going into a high performance environment from a, a youth level, I say just be careful. High performance sh- should come with a toxic sign, you know, um, and parents don't get that. You see. When you say come with a toxic sign, and tell me what what does that really mean? It changes the individual um, quite considerably. Their behaviours change. Their, their mm. expectancies are changed. Um, for, the demands are changed. Um, the rhetoric from the coaches change. It just changes that it's can, it can, Dave, and, I, and it's only taken now that looking back, I have a I have a different personality that I had to operate in a high performance world. Do I? have now you know I have two sides of the coin but I needed that I needed that I needed that because if I didn't you don't survive what was that personality then the the high performance personality and then we'll come to the one you've got now um very driven uh very selfish um um very cutthroat very straight you know very black and white um very disciplined 
um, organised, um, and someone who um, I, I, I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't settle for either second best or low standards. Just that wasn't that wasn't in my you know it wasn't in my mindset. And 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 I often I think where I got it wrong as a player, I often got it right. Don't get me wrong, I must have got it right to get to to play at a reasonable level. But where I got it wrong was not quite understanding that people don't have those levels of expectancies on themselves or just just standards of quality of work. So say that again, John, in terms of actually what, what did you what did you learn from being in that environment about yourself and others? Um it's not till I came out of the environment, Dave, yeah. that I reflected on that. I okay. didn't learn a huge amount. I was just in the moment. Um, yeah. And my understanding wasn't really, you know, I wasn't looking sideways. I was looking inwards and looking forward. Okay. Um, you know, and I think that um, it was only until I came out of high-performance environments, I looked back and I thought, ah, oh, that's why that happened and that's why you behave like that and you should have done this or you should have done that. Does that make sense? You know, so I think yeah. that's where I think that's where and it's ironic. You know, I talk so candidly about having re- good coaches and good role models um, in my early part of my year. As soon as I went professional, I didn't have good coaches. And I mean that I didn't have good support network. You know, mom and dad who were there for you are all of a sudden, you know, 400 miles away. You know, you don't want to lean upon them because you're now in this professional environment. With all due respect, they don't quite understand things. So you then do things how you see it. You play the game how you see it. Um, and you get things wrong and, and, and you learn, you know, but, but, you know, as a coach now, I'll often pull up people for one, their behavior and two um, things that I see because, and I, and I highlight them, you know, I see, look guys, you have to understand the ramifications for what you do here, not only performance, but also in you as a brand and you as a, you know, I'm talking from a high performance point of view here. Yeah, yeah. So John, when you were in that environment and you you said, look, I didn't have really great coaches and my support network sort of started to disappear a bit or became more distant. How, yeah. how did you manage yourself? How did you get yourself through that time? Because that doesn't sound like it's such an easy place to be. Uh, no, it's not an easy place to be. But again, it goes back to how I was, how I how I learned myself, you know, especially right. in a cricket environment. You know, I again, I, I, I problem solved as a cricketer back in Pennycook when I was, you know, I guess between the age of eight and 13 and 14, you know, that sort of age, I just yeah. problem solved, you know, and, um, you know, I learned off people who were next to me. Um, and I think one of the good things was, you know, my parents just told me about, you know, aligning myself with good people. I, I did actually tend to sort of migrate towards people who were, again, like me, organized, disciplined, um, just all around general family man. Uh, family people um so so I had that I had that resource as well and but that was a choice that I made you know you'd often and especially in a professional sport you'd often get people out drinking and doing all the um you know the sort of uh, the sins but uh, I just wasn't really interested you know I wasn't really interested in that yeah but you, you obviously found some resource in there to help manage yourself and it sounds like that kind of that independence that you created as a young person in terms of self-learning and, and yeah. being able to look after yourself yeah really really um was valued and needed when you were it sounded quite a lonely place in a way being oh in- incredibly lonely you know let's be honest you know out there as a sportsman incredibly lonely uh and but, the, but looking back you know the, yeah. the pillars that were in place then stood me instead yeah. dave i left home at um, cool, can't think. So I had just turned 17. It was April. Wow. I, was, I was 17 in the January. And then I, um, I started my first contract in Northampton uh, on the, the April, 
no, tell a lie, it was in March. Uh, so I, I was just turned 17. And, I, you know, I, I drove from Pennycook to, to Northampton, which, you know, is 60 miles north of London. Dad gave me a car, God bless him. Went down there and um, started a professional cricket mm-hmm. career, you know. Went, stayed in a, a place called the Coach House Hotel, which was the, synonymous with Northamptonshire. But Anne, Anne Long, who ran the place, gave me a room at the top of the... And I rented that out for 50 quid a week, 200 quid a month. Uh, and my first night there... My car got broken into. They stole all my radio and my cassettes, you know, that memory cassettes those time. First night I was there. Uh, the first week I was there, David, there was a, there was a, I'm going to sound like Taggart here, there was a murder. There was a murder in the park across the road and I actually heard her screaming, so I ended up involved double cut one morning and my car, the road was cordoned off and, you know, so that was my first sort of, in, and then I was welcome, having, yeah. <laughs> yeah, welcome. And I was, you know, having to deal with the entry into professional cricket and the expectancy on me and just, so it was a real rude awakening, you know. Um, so. And John, if you were to summarise then in terms of, you know, with that introduction to sort of leaving home and having your first professional contract, you know, and you're pr- pretty much out on your own to be confronted with all of that, you know, yeah. what one or two resources do you think really got you through that stage? Because you could have very easily jumped back in the car and gone back home, couldn't you? But yeah, you discipline. Yeah, discipline. I think discipline. And I think that's where my upbringing... Right. really came to the fore discipline and you know my, my support from my folks um, right. you know dark, those dark times um and actually you know in fairness to northampton um it, it is a family club um the, 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 you know i spent a lot of time there however looking back it was pretty unhealthy um you know there was quite a sort of family atmosphere there was if i'd gone to a major county a test batch playing the nation, uh, county straight away I don't think there would have been that sort of ability to hang around the club after training and just be with the family. It would have been straight back to wherever you were right. based and being quite lonely. So, um, but I think the discipline and the and the um, the maturity I had from being involved in 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 sport and, and organising my life to that stage got me through. I was quite worldly wise, you know. At, at sort of even at seventeen, I'd been through, you know, the whole um, the whole football scene in Edinburgh. You know, I was I was. Yeah, fairly sufficient in terms of how I could handle myself. Um, I was just a, I guess I was ahead of my years. And I look back, I look at it now and we were coaching kids at 16, 17. I thought, you know, I was playing at Trent Bridge in front of eight, 9,000 for Scotland at your age, you know. Yeah. I was playing reserve team football for Hibernian and Falkirk against, you know, some names that you and I all know on this, on this call, you know, um, at some of the football stadiums in Scotland, you know, with with full-time football managers judging my performance. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was pretty, um, um, pretty strong for, for my age, really, I think. I Looking back now, you know. So fast forward then, John. So, you know, you're in your playing career here, you know, how was your playing career and what did you learn from it that's now taken you through into the coaching world that you're now in? Well, um, it, it, I guess my playing career uh, it, it took two folds. And Dave, I just, well, I've got the opportunity. I want to thank you for this because this is quite not cathartic for me. I've never, I'm not a self-indulgent guy. I've never talked about my career. So um, if I stutter, then, then you understand why. But no. I guess on reflection, my career took two, two, um, two, it was sort of game of two halves, really. I, yeah. I spent 90, 97 to 2002, 2003 at Northampton. And then I got released, you know, I had a, I had a major, well, I played in the World Cup for Scotland in 1999 um, and all throughout the tournament I had a sore back and I was getting injections to sort of ease the pain and um, it turned out I had um, 
I had sort of three stress fractures in my back. So they had to operate in the September of 99. So I had major back operation, L5-S1 fusion. So I had a, a career-ending injury, but yet, you know, I had this huge operation in a cast for, you know, from sort of my, oh, right down, in a cast for the best part of it, you know, eight months and then, you know, walking after a year. And then so I had that. And then so I had a real struggle to get myself back to, back to fitness again. And then I, I got myself back to fitness, got to where I was. And, I, and that was all, I had one physio who helped me, but that was all self-led. Took myself off to New Zealand to do my rehab. And then eventually I think I just never really recovered the the freedom that I was as a bowler. And I, and I went, I, I just, I left North Ants. They released me at 2003 and I sort of went back to the drawing board, went back to Edinburgh, right. you know. Um, and then I got... Um, I got um, a call one day from, um, I trialled a few counties, got a call one day from from David Bias um, at Yorkshire, and he said, I want to speak to you, John. So I went down to Yorkshire, and Dave said to me, John, he says, um, you played against us in 2002, he says, and I was blown away by your sheer pace, he said, and, and I did a bowled out, York, I nearly bowled out Yorkshire in the second innings of a match at Headingley once, a right. championship match, and it was the quickest I've ever bowled, and David Ripley to this day, who was the keeper at North Ants, has kept to you know some of the world's greats. He said to me, it's one of the quickest spells he's ever kept to. Anyway, Dave said, I look at, I'd like to sign you. And at the time, I, you know, I, I was, I needed an opportunity. So I took it. And it was a really pivotal moment yeah. for me. So I went to Yorkshire in 2003 uh, and then went through to sort of 2008 as a, as a player. So I had a really strong five years there. Um, the first year at Yorkshire, it was, it was incredible. Um, and, and I was seeing a huge county club based to what I'd be, and, and, um, and different to what I'd been at North Ants. You know, I'd walk into a newspaper sh- uh, shop and the guy behind the counter would know you and he'd know your stats. And he'd, whereas, you know, in Northampton, <laughs> it wasn't really a, a thing, you know. So this this huge, I mean, the biggest cricket club in the world, oh, yeah. the supporters and all the rest of it. So a real eye-opening experience for um, for me. Um, and then after I finished at Yorkshire, I guess I just had five years there. Uh, I was coming a bit, getting a bit older, and I went back to Scotland um, and started to play again. I was playing back for the Scotland team, and I got a call um, from Stuart Regan, who was the chief executive um, at Yorkshire at the time, and said, "John, have you have you got a minute?" He said, "We'd like to, we'd like to speak to you." Uh, and I said, "Stuart, I left sort of a year and a half ago. You know, my, my, as a player, no, 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 as a coach." He said, "We'd like you, we'd like to come down and talk about a coach." Um, would you come to Scarborough? So I went down to Scarborough, drove down um, overnight and then um, had a meeting with himself, Martin Mox and Steve Oldham at Scarborough. And we talked about the, the coaching role and the coaching role was to to sort of run the academy with Steve Oldham and um, be Steve Oldham's assistant bowling coach, club bowling coach, with a view to Steve retiring in two or three years time. And that was your first introduction into coaching? That was my first introduction to coaching, Dave. I didn't have, you know, I'd done my badges. I'd done my level one, two and three. But, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't done a huge amount of coaching. It was interesting, Dave. I said to them, I said, what is it that's attracted you to to me? You know, and there was an instance uh, in, in, in the indoor school at Yorkshire one day where um, one of the senior pros took some throws off a junior pro and he was a test player. Um, and I was a player at the time and he took the throws, he hit the balls and turned around and walked out the net. And I turned around and I said to him, Oi. and he was a test player, you know, famous cricketer. I said, Oi, wait, wait, wait. he says, oh, I, thought, I says, well, hold on. I says, that kid's not your slave. I says, get it, pick the balls up. 
I says, and more importantly, I says, I've, no, I've noticed this about your batting. And he, he listened to me. He listened to me. So, so but some, but Steve said, and 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 Ian Jews at the time had said they'd seen that, you know, they'd sort of remembered that. And anyway, um, and then so I guess that was that that was a real moment in time. But I hadn't been actively coaching. I had been doing a little bit, but nothing, you know, nothing. I'd been working with the academy kids when I was a pro, but that was it really. So I guess they were choosing on personality. Did you think there was a coach in you, though? Did you know that coaching was where you were going to go? And, and probably when in your, in your playing career did you start be- believing that coaching might come next? Um, well, I didn't think about coaching, but I knew there was, an, there was, a, there was an, a, a gene in there that wanted to help people. Going back right. to, mom, you know, mum's upbringing, mum looked after kids with special needs. I used to give up my, we used to choose a thing called respite, where we'd have kids with cerebral palsy coming to the house over the weekend. Oh, wow. And I'd give, up my, I'd give up my bed for, the, for, for um, the children to stay. And I'd sleep with my sister or I'd sleep on the floor. And there was that sort of helping thing in, yeah, in our yeah. family. Yeah. Um, so I knew that that was in me. And then, you know, strategically going back to my football you know I could see it you know I remember I was center half and I'd be saying you go there you go there you do that you do that no don't do that I'd, I'd be sort of doing that you see so I, I guess I had that in me um and then I had this huge opportunity you see um and that's how it that's how it came about but I knew I had that that desire to help people and what did you learn then, John? You said you, you mentioned that whole going back to Yorkshire being quite pivotal in terms of both yeah. your playing, but also more so your coaching now. Because at the start of your coaching journey, you know, how did you become a coach? What and what sort of coach did it start making you? How do you become a coach? Eh? That's a good question, isn't it, Davis? How do you become the coach? Um, and what sort of coach did you become? How have you become? Well, it's. It, it, I think um, you sort of you 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 get given the you get given the position. You know, um, people inherit positions. You know, uh, or, or get given positions. You know, um, but um, you well, people get given positions, but there's also you can earn a position. So I could have been given the which I was. I was given the role of um, academy lead and assistant club bowling coach. But in essence, I didn't have the credentials to fit that. You see. In time, what I learned was that you have to earn the credentials to get the position, you see. Um, and I think my struggle to earn the credentials was my greatest learning. You know, what happened throughout that period uh, at Yorkshire was one of my biggest learnings. So, you know, now I, I fast forward to where I am now, you know, I've got various positions and roles, but I think I've earned the, I've earned the right to have those positions, you see. Um, and and all that's between the bookends was is incredibly compelling and and really self um, reflecting for me. It's it's been a, a brilliant a brilliant a, a difficult time from when I took the job at Yorkshire to now, but it's been a really good uh, learning for me. And John and the coach that you are now, then if, if you would if you were to reflect back as to your your playing days and the various coaches that you you mentioned both good and bad you know throughout your whole career because you've said there's periods of both you know what what have you learned or what have you picked up do you think that's really made is making you the coach you are um I'd like to think that I'm a holistic based coach Dave in the regard that I understand the individual I'm working at with it better um and understanding their 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 experiences their their learning types their background uh and just all of the above you know um i mean i I feel i'm equipped with the toolbox and you know it's the sort of coaching toolbox cheesy line but i do feel i've got the toolbox that i can use to 
to work with that individual. Um, so, you know, going back to when I first started off my coaching career, I probably didn't understand the individual enough and then probably didn't have a toolbox to, to sort of support yeah. the person. But now I feel I've got both through just circumstances that have happened to me. And then looking at the coaches that I, I guess, didn't think were great, you know, I almost pity some of them now because I know the one didn't understand the person and two, they didn't have the toolbox, you know. They were sort of just bumbling along and then were, were just a, a, in the situation because they found themselves there um, and, um, and weren't ready for it, you know. Yeah. So, I, so I go into a situation now and I know that I have to be ready for that situation. I won't take it on unless I'm 100% ready for it. Two, I know um, um, how I'm going to do it. And three, I mean, I know I have the confidence and I've got enough behind me to sort of uh, to, do the, to do the job. It's been a real, real in- interesting journey. And, and, and hopefully throughout this conversation, uh, Dave, that you'll understand that things that have happened to me in my career and in my life have affected to where, I guess, like we all have, I get it makes me what I am today, you know, and I haven't even touched on, you know, my challenges with Scotland in the World Cup and why I left the camp the day before the World Cup. I haven't talked about um, the reason for leaving Yorkshire and, and uh, what happened there. And, and those two pivotal times in my career, uh, both as a player and as a coach, were just huge. You know, I've only talked about the sort of periphery stuff. Um, so I think ultimately I'm in a really quite strong position for what's happened to me. So out of all of that, then, what, what plenty of turning points and pivots. And, you know, I think you really epitomise what the sort of sports stories podcast is about, because I think clearly from hearing your story, life's not linear. You know, it's, it's gone all over the place and you've picked up so many different experiences. And I'm hearing some of the some of the harder experiences also might have been some of the best experiences in terms of learning and opportunity. Um, what would you say is your biggest, one of your biggest experiences today that you call back and go, wow, that taught me loads? Um, well, I've just mentioned that two instances um, was uh, World Cup 2009. Um, what did uh, you learn from that then? Um, to, to, to understand the dynamic and that people weren't always on my, uh, f- coming from my frame of reference. Okay. Um, and... Um, you know, brief context to that was that we'd, you know, I was a senior player for the Scotland team. We'd gone to a World Cup, T uh, Twenty World Cup in England, but previous to that, in two thousand and eight, we'd been to a World Cup qualifier, fifty over World Cup qualifier in South Africa. We hadn't performed. There was sort of a new coach had come in. Um, the group were self policing, and and we were at the top of the associate world. Um, the group was self sufficient. The coach tried to come in and change it. And, you know, being a coach now, I think he probably tried to do it his way, which is categorically the wrong thing when you have a group that are so experienced. Um, we didn't qualify for the World Cup, 50 World Cup. Um, so we went back to the UK. Um, I went home after the World And I said to my folks, look, I really don't know if I can continue playing for Scotland under this this sort of this backroom staff and this leadership. Um, I said, my, and my folks said, look, you've got a World Cup in in." Um, in, in London in May, just go to that and enjoy it, you know. So they changed captain. Gavin Hamilton phoned me and said, look, um, uh, Blaney, I'd like you to be my vice captain. Would you do that? I said, look, Gav, absolutely fantastic. I said, but let's get back to old ways, you know, shirt and tie or chinos and polo shirt, you know, no flip-flops, buses leaving on time, a little bit of discipline. Back to the cricket that we used to play when we were self-policing, sort of when we're leading the Associate Nation, 
And um, I I didn't join up with the squad in London till uh, sort of a couple of days before the tournament started because I've been at Yorkshire doing my doing my stuff there. And we played. Uh, I remember um, we played a bounce match uh, against uh, Bangladesh at John Paul Getty's ground in London. And we were on in the afternoon. I think the the first game one was. New Zealand against Australia and we were on against Bangladesh in the afternoon so there was like a verve Clico tent we were training outside the ground and I remember going to the nets and running up and bowling and batsmen running around sort of doing all the T20 stuff and bowlers were doing all this stuff and it was just an absolute mess you know and I said to Gav I said Gav what's going on here I said well, why don't we just go back to what we talked about you know the the basis of a team the traditional values it still is in good stead he, just, he said to me oh just run with it it's what the coach wants to do so anyway we went to the, the match and um, we batted first against Bangladesh, and we were, oh, we were, we were. I think we batted first, and we were something like twenty-five for five or something, you know. And I just looked at Gav, and anyway, there's a gentleman came in um, in our team batting middle order and got us to up to a total one hundred and forty. Anyway, I I sort of took the new ball for the second innings and um, uh, bowled this this sort of wide first ball of the game, wide um, uh, off stump, and it got hit over. Uh, third man for six and then I bowled this slightly foolish ball next and it got driven for four so first balls first two balls are gone for ten and my third ball I bowled a bit straighter and and um, the batsman just knocked it back um, knocked it straight Tam and Iqbal just knocked it straight back to me next the next sort of uh, four balls just knocked straight back and I thought to myself if I bowl it straight he will just try and play me properly okay so I thought to myself it's quite clear cut this and that's my takeaway from high performance sport that actually it is quite clear cut. It's quite you can. It's almost like you can read the story. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they won the game in the last in the last um, in the last over. And um, I don't know if you remember the coach at Hull City, the football coach who sat the players round in the circle and pointed. Maybe sat them down and did that. So we got called across to the sort of the Verve, in front of the Verve Clico tent, which was really quite busy. And I'm thinking we're not going to do a team debrief here. So we did. We sort of sat down, and the coach stood over us and started to give it. And he was sort of addressing the problems. And I'm like thinking, this is ridiculous. What's, this is like schoolboy stuff. So I looked at Gav and Gav looked at me. And I said, Gav, I thought we were just going to police this ourselves and go back to, he just went nothing. So anyway, he, the coach said, does anyone want to say anything? And I put my hand up and he went, I don't want you to say a thing. And I was like, okay. So I looked at Gav. Anyway, I said to Gav, when we get back to the hotel, I want to speak to you. So we went back to the hotel. Um, and, and I remember we got back to the hotel and there was a wedding on there was nowhere to go to have a chat so we got in the foyer ended up in the kitchen and I remember the the sort of chef was there sharpening his knives you know as we were having this conversation <laughs> heated conversation I was like Gav look I, I, I thought we were going to get back to basics here you know we're going to get back to policing ourselves we're losing the identity that was you know Anyway, um, he said, well, do you know what Lenny if you don't like it he says, you know what to do I says, well, do you know what to do Gav I says, I really can't operate and I went to my room and I took my gear off and I jumped in a taxi and I got the last train back to Leeds. And in essence, I walked out. And to this day, Dave, it, I still remain, because I was sent an email to the board when I was driving back on the train back to Leeds, stating the reasons why I did it. And that email was pulled out subsequently. And, and the, the points 10 years later have come to, I said, you won't really understand the, on the email, I said, you won't understand the ramifications for what's happening now till 10 years down the line. Anyway, so, but the, the, the point was that moment in time said a lot about me as a character yeah. to a lot of other people outside. And, it, and it's taken me a long, long, long time to, reco- to recover, to sort of grow again after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, I, 
I, I stood up for what I believed in, you see. Yeah. So I missed the World Cup. And then, you know, fast forward to 2011, Yorkshire, first team of relegated from the, um, the uh, first division. And uh, there's a sort of a, I didn't know the sort of a, a political landscape at the club between certain coaches that's gone back for an umpteen years at play. Um, and a restructure needs to happen. I'm sort of collateral damage to that. And as you know, in any, sometimes in industries, one just can't go, everyone has to go. So there was a restructure. Um, at the time, I was second team coach, academy coach, Boeing coach, and everybody went. Five coaches all went at once. Um, and it was hard for me at the time. And I had a, I had a, I had a, um, a follow-up conversation with Martin Moxon about the whole thing. And he just said, look, John, I'm, I'm so sorry, but it just had to happen that way. But the learnings from that, Dave, yeah, you know, yeah. have, been, have just been so compelling and so developmental for me, yeah. you know, from both circumstances. And I, I'm sorry to labour the point, but that, yeah. I, you know, it's part of... Um, and I think you really highlight for me, you know, that sometimes these really difficult situations when we can grow through them and look back on them, um, inform who we are, you know, and I just hear some of the words that I pulled out there are the, the importance of standards for you. And, you know, that's something that's driven right through your philosophy and your style and as a player and as a coach, you know, values are also coming through really strongly here in terms of who I am as a coach. And, you know, I'm, I'm really curious now as to how, how those experiences really help you formulate the teams that you have and how you develop players because values and standards are really, really key. And, and the last one, and I like working in threes, as you know, is also really fundamentally what sport and cricket all about. And actually, you talk there at the top level is about sometimes just going back to the basics. And actually, if we do the basics well, connected to good standards, you know, we, we perform at the highest level, you know, and enjoy what we do, you know. Yeah. And, and there has to be something that underpins everything within the individual, but also collective as well, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you sit in these team meetings and they come up with these sort of things that they put up on the board. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But what the what the facilitator doesn't understand that each person in that room has their own has their own set of standards, has their own set of yeah. uh, criteria, has their own sort of framework, you know. And, and that's that's where the fatigue comes in a coach is that you know often coaches will try and draw a blanket over a group and 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 facilitate it like that. That the fatigue from a coaching point of view is not only the volume you do in terms of throwing or setting up or volume sessions. It's getting around everybody to understand their framework and understand their point of reference. You know within the within what you're trying to create. You see, and look, you know, nobody. I mean, I said I didn't have good coaches. Um, good is not the word, but. He, he, you know, you don't often see eye to eye with a player um, because you have to hold those non-negotiables, you know, because you ultimately know what the end goal looks like. You have to say, look, I'm sorry, but that doesn't quite fit into what we are doing and, and seeing and trying to be and all the rest of it. But, and the more, the high, I tell you what this, Dave, the, more, the higher up the ladder you go, the more self-indulgent that international athletes can be, you know, very rarely do you get, or high-performance athletes can be, very rarely do you get someone who, who has a real broader thinking, you know, because the pressures are so high. If it's not, if they don't do it, then no one else is going to do it. And it's a dog eat dog world. So yeah. Um, I, I just love it. I, I love, I mean, I've always had a, a good conversation, a good conversation with you because we, we, we talk along these lines, you know, there's not, not everybody understands it um, because it's a deeper, it's a deeper conversation to have. John, in hindsight, looking back, and I know that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I know you've shared some stories there, which I know are really, 
difficult for you and you've, you've worked really hard over the last 10, 15 years in, in exploring them. You know, is there anything that you, you wish you'd have done differently in hindsight or do you, are you kind of happy that you've done what you've done and, and learned from it, both the good and the bad? Oh, look, Dave, I think um, if I hadn't have had those two pivotal moments in my <laughs> career, then I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't yeah. have the reflections and the learning. So, yeah. yes, I regret what I did and my folks told me at the time, you know, walking out in the World Cup and the sort of message it sends out, they told me at the time, but I was I was stubborn. But mm. what what they fail to understand is that that stubbornness is what's got me through yeah, yeah. team challenges previously, you know. So, um, yeah, so a bit, bit, but do you know what, Dave? Um, it is a story to tell and this is the yeah. first time I've had a chance to talk about it. I haven't mm. spoken about it. I've kept my counsel. I've gone through the right avenues, spoke to people that would understand. Um, I, I, and and the learnings, I mean, as a 41-year-old man now with some incredible experiences, and, mm. you know, I, I know I sent my CV, sadly, to you to say, Dave, if you want some background on what I've done in my life, here it is. You know, I sort of looked through my CV the other day and I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, you've actually, for a 41-year-old man, done quite a lot of stuff. You've done a huge um, And... Um, and, and it's quite a compelling story. But the learnings within that is what's made me today. So um, an answer to your question, I wouldn't change it. Well, John, I, and I'm blown away by it because, you know, you, you, the experiences and the exposures you've had to so many different places is phenomenal. And, and the thing that really warms me, if we go right back to the beginning, actually, is that philosophy that you talked about quite a lot early on in the conversation around actually really trying to understand the people that you work with. Because I have a sense of actually throughout your career, different people, some really tried to understand you and some people didn't understand you, you know, and actually the takeaway. Well, I mean, the Christian in me wants to think that, you know, and again, I was brought up in a Christian background, but the Christian in me wants to think that they didn't didn't want to understand, they, they, they didn't have the ability to understand yeah. me, you know, yeah. and I think that's the great skill of a coach that, you know, you can often come from your point, you have to go and try and understand um the individual um and that's what i do now you know dave I, I i work at grassroots football cricket right through to international uh high performance and uh, had contact with with both uh sports at that level and, and and um i enjoy it you know i feel comfortable in operating in all environments and pros and cons of working in different areas but um i feel able to to cope with it now you know um yeah so it's been a real learning, a real learning uh, experience for me. Um, but sometimes I find it hard to sort of encapsulate it into a, you know, into an hour podcast or even a, in a few <laughs> lines on a piece of paper, you know, or even a CV because that doesn't tell the full story. Well, and I think again, John, that's probably the, the beauty of of why we're talking about sport and people development because it, it, you can't encapsulate it in a in a short one hour, can you? Because it, there's a lot of ins and outs and complexities to the world we are, and I think, and actually, is that not why we do the job we do in terms of people development and coaching? Because it is complex, but the re, the, the rewards are phenomenal, aren't they? The rewards are phenomenal, but you know, you come home, Dave, and you, you know, you sort of take the jacket off and you take your whatever it was, and you throw it down, and you think, I've really had a day there, I've really had a bad day, you know. But actually, it it it, it is what makes you, you know, it's yeah. the struggle that, that that gives you that chapter in the book and allows you to sort of have the nice chapters, you know. Um, and and you know, I mean, you, I, I know we're sort of bringing it to a close here, but my kids come home and we're sitting having dinner and, you know, around the dinner table, your kids will ask you 25, 30 questions in a, in a, in a, in a circle and, in, in, in sort of a 30 minute, 25 minute window. 
and you're constantly putting, giving the answers and putting things in boxes for them. And, 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 and that's what you do as a parent to, to make them understand what's happened in that day relative to why it's happened and so on and so forth. As a coach, and as often as a coach on your own, you have to find the answers for yourself. You're asking yourselves the question, you're going, I've got no one really to ask the answer to this. You know, I've got you as a real mentor and a real shining light and um, I've got my folks. Um, but in fairness to my folks, sometimes they don't understand what I do because it's sort of moved on to a, a different level. Uh, I've got a, a coach mentor in football um, and I guess I've got various uh, colleagues in the cricket world. But often you find yourself on the own trying to find the answers, Dave. You know, what, what does that mean? Where does that fit into that? Why has that happened? I'm going to draw a bit of a parallel here, though, John, because I, I understand what you're saying. But actually, for me, that's been a real thread through all of your career. You know, you, you've gone out there and tried to find your own answers. You've been, you know, one of the threads that you talked about a lot for me was I'm, I'm self-taught. You know, and I'm, I'm paralleling a bit here because I am a little as well in terms of I go and find a way without yeah. calling in. But what I have loved about what you've just shared there is actually your your willingness to actually start um, engaging with others and recognizing that others can support you and actually help you find a way. You don't have to do it all on your own. And I think performance sports people, you know, and business people, a lot of the leaders often feel like they have to do it on their own and they don't, do they? You know, and I no, think they don't, they don't have to do it at the moment. And I think with immaturity, Dave, comes yeah. an outburst. And with, you know, with the immaturity that I had, um, it manifests itself in a, yeah. in a frustration and an anger in, in actions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in physical actions, you know, but with maturity in time, you might, you know, kick the desk or whatever, but actually in time, you, you learn to, to deal with those actions and, um, and behave in a, in a more suitable manner, which doesn't affect what you have, you know, and um, I, I just, I, I love my work because mm. it can be, it can be me working with the international team as I am at the moment with Scotland and you're dealing with high-performance World Cup cricketers, um, or I can be in the hall working with, you know, under-10 softball, there's always a situation that comes up on the radar and you go, what's the learning in that? And why is that happening? And where does that fit into the picture? And then you drive home. You drive home sometimes, whether I've not got Radio 2, I'm, in, I'm, at, I'm at the Radio 2 stage now, Dave. <laughs> oh, no. if, I've not got, if I've not got Radio 2 on, I'm in silence. I'm thinking, what's the learning on that? And if I don't get to the bottom of it, I'll often phone someone and say, what do you think to this? Yeah. You know? Um, and it's just, that's where I get it from. And it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't get rewarded in a monetary thing. It's yeah. not about the intrinsic thing. It's the extrinsic. It's not that it get rewarded in the extrinsic thing. It's the intrinsic thing that really, really stimulates me now, you know? Well, and I love that question, though, because I think that's a real gift for those that are listening in, in terms of asking that question. You know, what was, it's as simple as what was the learning in that and taking yeah. that time just to reflect, because for me, that's probably something that I've seen throughout your, all of your career here. You know, you, you often were asking yourself the question whether I performed well or not so well, but what was the learning in it? What was the learning? What can I take forward from this experience? I have, so at the club I work at, the Grange Cricket Club, director cricket there, and um, I, I set up a Grange Academy and that's sort of based on my template of my time at Yorkshire. And it's been in a situation five years and I'm, I'm in it with a, a good friend of mine, Dr. Raj uh, Routrey McCrea. Uh, Raj is a doctor, his wife um, is a doctor as well, and they're, they're involved in high performance across Scotland um, from a medical background. They're two incredible people. And I mean that, their practitioners are brilliant, but they're incredible people. And him and I, and, and often his wife, will have a discussion around 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 just, just that, you know, and, and it's a really stimulating place to be uh, and work out what it's all about. 
Um, and it's real growth for me, you know, and, and I think it's important. And that's one advice I'd give to any coach, you know, try and work out yourself, but actually have a real trusted support network whose opinion you value round about you to go and bounce it off. Um, because that's important, you know, you might not see it um, as clearly as, because you're involved as you should do. So someone outside might, might, might see it quite clearly. Um, but it's also important. It's one of the biggest things that, that you said to me, if you were to say to me now, your next, John, what, do you, what must you do now as, a, as a, more of as a coach? I've got to do more CPD, you know, more continual professional development. I've got to do more learning because I'm always on task, Dave. I'm always doing volume. I'm always doing um, sessions. I'm always in the moment. I don't take enough time to step back and go and do some learning. You know, so I'm actively seeking opportunities to go and learn now whether it be in other sports, whether it be phoning people. Um, and that was the reason I got back into football coaching initially, because I'd been sort of getting to stage with cricket that I thought, I need to go and challenge myself back in football. Football's fundamentally where you came from. You understand it. There'll be synergies. So go and do it. And actually, it'll be good for my learning. So I work in a completely different social structure at football to what I do at cricket. And it's absolutely gold for my learning. And they both complement each other. Well. And on that note, John, you know, which I think is just amazing, you know, right back at the beginning of our conversation, we talked about you playing football and cricket in parallel, and they're actually on a similar journey and, and actually being complementary to one another. And, and look, you know, 30, 40 years down the line, where are you now? You're actually back coaching both football and cricket, whereby probably they're complementary to each other in terms of they're actually supporting and helping and driving you on, which I think is just an amazing, amazing story and a, and a great sort of... Um, positioning of how different environments can really enable and support and push you on in terms of your development well, which is just Dave, we haven't we haven't talked we haven't talked we've talked previously about environments and sort of engendering that culture within environments and I did my level four piece on changing cultures and that was a real you know uh, authentic leadership as well I did an element on that as well but that was a real sort of eye opener for me how do you change a culture what do you do what does mm -hmm. an environment look like what does an authentic leader look like I did all that as well and and environments for me are key and, and, and what you what you encouraged within that and the growth. And I mean, we've looked at individual individuals there and talked about individuals, but we haven't even talked about the environment and the culture you create. And that, you know, going back to my my home life as a as a young kid, you know, that, that campfire was always on at home. That that mm. that that sandwich was always on the table, that um sausage roll and beans was always in the kitchen and, and there was always that campfire at home to go home to. You know, my 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 um, uh, philosophy now as a coach that any any environment you have, that campfire has to be on for the athlete to come back and, and touch base with you. You know, um, and they have to have that ability to get around that campfire and, and just so 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 yeah. I mean, there's so many elements today. We could talk all day. We have <laughs> talked all day before. I mean, some of our meetings were four and five hours. I know that. Um, but you know, on record through those difficult times. Um, especially at Yorkshire, you are, you are colossal and your work, Dave, uh, supporting a coach is, is immense, you know, so thank you for that, just on, on record. Well, I appreciate that, John, and, and thanks for being so open and honest. And as I say, I know you have um, worked with some of those issues throughout your life and continue to do so. And I think that's what we all are doing. But just thank you for being so open and honest. What I'd like to do just to draw us to a close, though, is just to ask one or two quick fire questions, you know, some snappy answers here, which I know sometimes it's hard when me and you get together because we go off. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of your brilliant journey, you know, you've talked about the um, the real practical experiences you've had. 
but you've also you know picked up a lot of learning through reading books and done a lot, a lot of studies from looking at you know what you've done are there any key um books or references which you you would say have really been pivotal to to your journey that you would recommend to some of the listeners Cool book, Steve. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a book person. Yeah, um, yeah. No, okay. I I, um, I find it difficult. To, I'm more audio. Um, so um, references. Um, what about audios? What sort of audios do you go to? Yeah, I go to podcasts. I go to I go to people who have had varied journeys. You know, yeah. um, um, I I don't particularly go to mainstream stuff. Um, yeah. in terms of leaders, I go to people who have got quite a um, a wide and varied, um, but again, it's 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 something I need to improve on, Dave, because it really does stimulate me. Um, you know, I've, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and came off them, going, they've been great. I need to do more of that. But then, <laughs> because I'm so busy in the moment, you don't get the time to do it. You know, so um, and it's a it's a bit of non-answer, but okay. Um, hopefully, I've given you an answer if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. I always ask this question because I think, you know, we're, we're in the working world here. You're in performance sport, but I also see what you're doing is running a business, you know, in terms of actually running the Grange Club and, you know, the development around that. Crucially, John, you know, how do you prepare yourself physically and mentally to be the best you can be on a day-to-day basis right here now? Um, I think it comes from a level of discipline and organisation, Dave. Um, I think um, it... it um, as a coach, the volume has to be has to be up there. You know, not not criticizing any anyone else, but if you're a coach, which you're a facilitator of others, you cannot get away from the volume. So you have to have the discipline to go again and go again and go again and go again. Um, so I guess it's it's the it's the discipline that I I really underpin myself and the organisation. You know, um, you know I was always one and I still am one for having things in line. You know, I have a really supportive family at home and partner who is, is organised here. And, and from my state of mind, that's really quite crucial. I couldn't I couldn't go out to work if I knew things weren't in place back at home. Um, so I guess the organisation, the discipline is key for me, Dave. Yeah. Um, and it allows me to then go and be the best product, the best model of me that, that I can be. Yeah. Um, and if, if things are, you know, if things are a little bit muddled and a little bit not organised, I don't feel I'm at my best. You know, I've yeah. got to spend a bit of time getting organised to then go again. Um, so there's a real planning thing then, isn't there? You know, if I plan it to prepare, then I'm really, I'm good to go, aren't I? I yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it allows me a freedom of um, yeah. thought process as well, you know, Brilliant. to sort of, to think clearly. Brilliant. Okay, just a couple more then. You've also mentioned along the way, um, you know, key pivotal points. Are there two or three people that you would refer back to and say, wow, those people stick with me as being crucial and pivotal in my journey in terms of influencing you? Yeah, Dave, I think it's important that um, at the outset, you know, I mentioned my family, mum and dad yeah. and my sister, you know, she she brought humour to, um, she called me golden balls and, you know, she used to, <laughs> well, she did, she grounded you, you know, and yeah. my sister's a real salt of the earth. Uh, she would give you a last penny girl you know um and she used to say when dad was running around all the country and mom and dad to football and cricket she used to say just remember i've got a a netball match this weekend you know and you know she was never she was never sport minded you know but she'd say we'd say so i'd come out from football and we'd be having sunday lunch and um we'd be sitting there and uh we were talking about the football and angela would just sort of pipe up she'd say um uh, i won my netball this morning you know so we just laugh you know but she didn't have a game of netball but anyway (laughs) 
But she, so you know, my family are important uh, at the outset. Sister played a really good role in that. Um, I think from a coaching point of view, there was the, the West Indian guy Phillips and Johnson at Pennycook, yeah. the cricket coach, uh, Jim Love, uh, who gave me an opportunity. And I think that's key as a coach. You have to have someone that one believes in you and two's give you that opportunity. Um, and then you know there was a, there was a football coach at my football club called uh, Ricky Ricky Graham was brilliant. You know, again, the completely opposite end of the coaching spectrum, but brilliant, you know, dedicated, loyal, um, hard, knowledgeable. Um, and then you sort of go through, you go through your life as a, as a professional player. I didn't have a huge amount of support in terms of a, as a, as a player coach, as a, as a, as a, as a player. Um, I didn't really align myself. And then I got to Yorkshire and, um, you know, there was, I started to pick up a higher level of coaching there. Steve Oldham, who, who was at Yorkshire at the Bowling Cup time. He was an incredible coach. In fact, one of the best cricket coaches I've ever seen. Um, he was brilliant for me as a player. Um, and he gave, you know, I got an opportunity to sort of come to Yorkshire as a coaching staff. Uh, so he, he was pivotable. Um, but, I, you know, the opportunities I had to, to mix with people um, in the cricket club that I was brought up in um, and, and, and subsequently in life have been... Have been um, have been pivotal, yeah. I've been important, you know. Um, Great stuff, John. And and I know it's a tricky question because I know, especially for someone like yourself who really does reflect back on and sees the the roles that different people have played in your life, is a it's a it's a big question. But I can really see that some of those people have have opened doors at the right sort of time, uh, you know, and, and made a difference to you. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. The, my my last question then is, you know, you, you've shared your story here. You've been really open and honest shared some stuff which I know has been a little bit tricky at times for you to get your head around, but I, I really appreciate that because I think um, that's what this is all about. You know, it's, 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 it's sometimes cathartic sharing our stories, but I think many people can really resonate with the ups and downs and the highs and lows and people will aspire to have journeys through sport, whether it be as a player or a coach or an administrator or, or learn from your environments. So John, You've talked about your CPD and your development. Whose sports story might you like to hear that you haven't or like to delve a little bit more deeper that might really help you or be of some interest to you? Um, I guess someone who's got quite a diverse background, yeah. someone who is um, who has, on the face of it, being successful, you know, to the uneducated eye being really successful or, or being successful, but someone who has quite a compelling story behind it uh, and and to understand the reasoning for it. Um, you know, I, 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 listen, I did listen to, and sorry to say this, but I listened to your podcast, but I did listen to the Oli Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. podcast. Uh, and, you know, on the, on the face of it, you know, people would say, well, why is he being chosen? I, I wanted to know why, yeah. what does he have in his DNA that makes him chosen um so that sort of case study um yeah uh it's it's that's what i migrate towards dave you know i think i think we we're in an elitist world people migrate towards the most successful no i want to go towards the guys that have been successful in my eyes you know yeah yeah um and and you know my partner uh in her own right is is a very successful woman and um She's got a compelling story. So that's like, you know, if she was to do a podcast, I'd listen to that. But she doesn't operate at the highest level in terms of sport. I'd listen to her podcast, you know, and her, her story behind it. Well, John, and I think you really, again, 
pick out an important point for me that actually there are high profile people and they're less profile people, but we've all got a story that we can take something from it, you know, and, you know, you've given a couple of names there, but I think, you know, delving and being curious and interested, again, coming back to the theme of what you talked about in, in people and the person, we can take something from it if we're open to it. So, you know, thanks for, for sharing that little nugget and that thought. All it leads me to say, John, is, you know, thanks very much again for, for sharing your story. Um, I, I'm, I'm always drawn to the fact me and you could keep talking and there's so much yeah. more that we haven't touched on and, and, you know, we've skimmed the surface. But maybe there's a, there'll be a future time where we can come back and delve a little bit deeper in some of those other areas. If, if people would be interested to be in contact with you or find out a little bit more about what you're doing, either in your, your coaching world or at the Grange, is, is there any way they can make contact with you? Is there social media or, or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I'm on I'm on Twitter uh, at John Blaine Four. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, um, and my email address uh, is uh, John Blaine Four at hotmail.co.uk. Happy uh, take take that on, not a problem at all. But that that's what I like to do. I like to help people. So you know, don't feel as though they can't contact me, Dave. But um, look, before I go, I want to thank you, Dave. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to labour the point because uh, you do get a little bit sort of embarrassed. I know that's not your style, but <laughs> I think um, anyone that's listening today, um, if you're looking for someone to offer support, guidance, and just wisdom, uh, and and loyal, and I mean that, loyal um, tutorage, uh, they can't look any further than you because you've been colossal for the role you played in my life, so I appreciate it. John, th thanks ever so much. I appreciate that. And, and, I, and I want to thank you for that as well, because, it, you know, I think it's important that we acknowledge um, those yep. sort of relationships and what we offer. And it is part of my passion and what I do. So it's lovely to hear that it hasn't had an impact. Um, so thank you for sharing that and being with me. Um, other you. than that, look after yourself. Good luck with the Grange. Keep on the journey. Keep learning. Get that CPD in and, you know, keep in touch with the Sports Stories brand and the, comp uh, and the podcast. Yep. And and we'll be in touch and hopefully have you back on and we'll dig a bit deeper in the future. But John, Brilliant. thanks so Thanks, much. Dave. Cheers. Take, take care. care. Cheers. Well, there were elements of that conversation with John that I expected and elements I didn't. True to form, John was open, honest and reflective in his style. I really enjoyed hearing the connections that he has made throughout his career. The role of his family shone through for me. I also really valued hearing about his character elements that on reflection helped him as a player whilst also got him into trouble at times. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised I may add, at how open John was about the difficult times he had as a player with Scotland and then as a coach at Yorkshire. His acceptance that these challenging times have made him the person he is today was fantastic to hear. And not only did he accept what went on, but has used and reflected on this to inform the style and approach he now brings to his current role as performance coach and director of cricket today. For me, John has really learnt and grown as a person through his career in and around sport and has maximised the opportunity sport has offered to him. Before sharing a couple of questions for you to ponder, I want to raise the concept John spoke to a great deal, that of self-learning or self-teaching. Is this a good or a bad thing? Does it prevent or hold us back as individuals from seeking and asking for help and support? I know it has hampered me in the past, so on to a couple of other questions for you to consider. What strategies do you have today that have helped you in the past but no longer help you now? How can you change these strategies? And the second question, linked to what I mentioned a bit earlier, as John says, you don't have to do it all on your own. So who do you call on when in need of some help and support? Who is in your trusted support network and what is missing from it? Over the next week or so, 
take some time to really consider these questions. For me, taking responsibility to act on your reflections from these questions, as well as those posed in previous episodes, are what it takes to move towards becoming the best versions of yourself more often with great skill. So take the first or next step now. Now, as a quick reminder, we are working on some great content for the Sports Stories Academy and working in collaboration with some amazing individuals having credible and memorable sports stories in their own right. Furthermore, the coaching and mentoring offer is coming together with a pool of vastly experienced coaches and mentors to help you overcome challenges as well as maximize opportunities. All the coaches and mentors that work with us at Sports Stories are aligned to our belief that sport is a hugely valuable mechanism, metaphor and example that can help individuals work towards being the best versions of themselves. So this leads me on to how you don't miss anything we are doing at Sports Stories and how you can maximize the value to you. Have a look at the website at www.sportstories247.com. You can subscribe to this as well as access all the podcasts, learning gems and courses there too. I would really appreciate it also if you would be kind enough to leave a review or a comment on Apple Podcasts or with your favourite podcast provider. As you know, this is really valuable in helping other listeners find the stories, the content we are sharing. Having a group of dedicated followers and listeners really helps us develop more for you. So please do what you can. So to those that have tuned in, shared or provided comments and feedback, thanks ever so much. It's great to know we are making a difference and offering great value to you. And lastly, a big thanks to John for being such a great guest today. And to finish off, I do hope you have a great week. I look forward to having you join me, Dave Levine, again next week for an incredible story. So till then, take care, look after yourself and I'll see you soon.